Hey, hey, everybody. Jordan Goodfellow here, gig ready, excited for uh, another episode this week. Uh, this week's a little bit different than what we've been doing. We're going to be talking to meeting planners and their ability to select platforms for virtual and hybrid events. And as we know, the importance of this is so critical to being able to give our customers and our clients exactly what they need. And so being the event professionals that you guys are, we're really excited that we're going to be talking about this today. Just a quick reminder as we go today, please remember, share share this out, let people know, drop us five stars because of how awesome we are. I know you know that. And uh, let everybody know that Gig Ready is helping to teach event professionals how to get better at what they do and do better <clears throat> events tomorrow than they did today. Thanks for listening, guys, because this is the Gig Ready Podcast. All right. Well, we are here with some wonderful meeting and event planners, and we're excited to talk today. It is Ladies' Day. It is Ladies' Month. It is. Uh, we're excited to have this discussion today. We have Lynn Stout, Tiffany English, Sarah Bookbinder, and Lynn Edwards. And uh, ladies, I'm going to start top left. Lynn, who just so happens to be top left on my uh, my screen today. Lynn, why don't you give us a quick background, who you are, who you work for, and what you're primary uh, industries are? So I'm Lynn Stout, and I'm the owner of Bond Events, which is a, a, a woman-owned female production company based out of Washington, D.C. Um, we work internationally, but um, mainly take uh, organizations that are based in Washington, D.C. and travel with them across the country. Um, we also run three venues. So we have one in San Francisco and two in Washington, D.C. Very nice. That's awesome. And have you been uh, jumping into the world of virtual completely or are you guys doing hybrid or what, what's been your main over the last 12 months? Well, it's, it's interesting. We jumped in initially um, in April of last year and trans transferred some clients over pretty quickly that had meetings that needed to, to be serviced very quickly. During that period of time, we, we built a platform um, with our technical director and really, uh, you know, there was nothing that we could find initially off the shelf that we liked. Yeah. So we really treated it like uh, an, an, an event venue and we sort of built the bells and whistles. We've ended up moving away from that platform for mm -hmm. a variety of reasons, but um, that's how we started. And and now it's interesting. I mean, we're, we're working on a, a week in October where we have three events that are one is all in person. One is all virtual and one is completely hybrid. So we're seeing we're seeing the gamut right now. Awesome. Fantastic. And Tiffany English. Tiffany, where are you from? What do you do? Who do you work for? You know, tell us five secrets you don't tell anybody else. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, give us give us a quick download on, on uh, where you're from, what you do. Yeah, great. Thanks, Jordan. I'm from Chicago, so I um, I'm enjoying a little bit of warm 45 degree weather after a, a, a bit of freezing uh, snow temperatures. Um, but again, yeah, my name is Tiffany English. I am the founder of Velvet Style Event Marketing. Uh, we help people create and, and plan their own events as a marketing strategy to help grow their business. I also work as a full-time marketing communications coordinator for a downtown Chicago law firm. So I handle all of our corporate events there. And then lastly, I'm the founder of a network called Women in Business Connect. It's a 
professional support network for women entrepreneurs and professionals. And we thrive that through events and networking. Awesome. Fantastic. And what's been your kind of the last 12 months? What's your, been your prime, um, I guess, mode of operation in terms of virtual versus hybrid versus in person, ver- you know, all of that? Sure. Um, yeah, in the last, um, I want to say, yeah, almost a year now, 100% virtual. Um, looking into uh, the outlook for 2021 is to hopefully go into hybrid mode yeah. um, in the fall and at least, you know, have a good backup of virtual, but we're looking to really, at least uh, for a small amount of uh, uh, attendees, uh, being able to do live in-person events, just on a smaller scale, uh, hopefully this fall. Outstanding. Um, Outstanding. I love that. Lynn Edwards, the other Lynn here, Lynn with two N's, um, Give us a little bit. Uh, give us a little bit of a download. Where you're from? Who you work for? We already know you love Napa, uh, so we uh, give it. Give us the download. That was the pre-show. Yes. Hi, everybody. Lynn Edwards. I'm the owner of Proper Planning. Uh, we're a full-service event planning company based in Seattle, but we produce events all over the country. Um, and we produced. A, we went from live to digital with an event in three days. Uh, We had a large association um, second week in March and a week from the first diagnosis, COVID diagnosis in Seattle. So we were on the front line three days, turned it around, got done and we were like, what just happened? (laughs) And so we ended, um, we produced over 50 digital events last year on 18 different platforms. And we have a really diverse client base. We are also seeing like, I would echo what Lynn has said that for the fall, we've got 100% 100% in-person plan. We've got a, a, a sturdy group in Alaska that's just going to ensure that they're happening live. <laughs> and then we've got, you know, a hybrid. I'm super excited about where we're going with hybrid. And then also we've got some that are staying virtual through the end of this year. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, that's a huge, that's a great mix. And then Sarah, I probably totally butchered your last name on the intro. I should have asked. No, you got it exactly right. And I was waiting for it. I was very impressed. It's Sarah Bookbinder. Um, and I am with Meetings Made Easy. I'm actually in New Jersey, but the company is based in Las Vegas. Um, I'm a meeting broker. So I'm, I'm a reformed meeting planner. I was a meeting planner for 15 years. Uh, and now I work with meeting planners, um, uh, admin assistants and anyone who's planning an event either for their corporation or association to help them. Typically in non-COVID times, we focus mostly on the site selection and the sourcing. And obviously we've pivoted to virtual and we've just been working with our clients on absolutely anything they need for their in-person hybrid virtual events from happy hours to sales kickoffs to everything in between. Awesome. Okay. And have yeah. you been mostly virtual for the last 12 months and it's just been... I feel like a lot of clients uh, were hesitant in the beginning to switch over to virtual. I think, you know, in March when we were canceling and rebooking, everyone had this idea that, oh, everything will be fine by Q4. So we did a lot of canceling and rebooking for September, October. And then once it kind of looked like, you know what, this really, this isn't going away anytime soon. I think they became more open to to doing the virtual. So I've worked on virtual for years. Um, 
I feel like I'm a hipster by saying that I did hybrid before it was called hybrid. Um, but I used to work on medical conferences and, you know, it was a one day conference. So we couldn't get the, you know, the Asia team or the Europe team out. So we just did kind of a, a hybrid at the time. And that was, you know, 10 years ago. So we, we very quickly pivoted over to virtual. We, we tested out tons of different platforms. Um, and, you know, I think we've, all agree that there's no one platform that has everything. So, I mean, I haven't done 18 like Lynn, uh, but we've, we, we've used our share. <laughs> For sure. Um, man, the last 12 months, uh, I guess, depending on who you talk to, some of it has sucked. It's been awesome. It's been, I would say, life-changing for everyone. Um, you know, none of us ever expected any of this to happen in the way that it did. Um, and then suddenly like everything blows up and there's this huge flood of try this, try that, do all this, make, make this virtual event happen. How do we fix, how do we figure out audio, video, um, you know, audio on all this is one thing that nobody, like we didn't think about until 12 months ago. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, how do we deal with this? Um, you know, we used to be like, I know for us as the AV company, we'd be like, Hey, hand this signal cable to the guy in the corner. He's the streaming dude. And, you know, it's going somewhere and we're not sure where. Um, but it has quickly become this, all right, now we have a focus. And this focus is how do we deliver the best content to the people that need it, no matter where they are in the world and deliver it in a way that people actually like it. Because frankly, sometimes delivering it isn't, it is not very, I guess the content isn't amazing. So content makes a difference. So let's talk real quick. First off, um, you all move very quickly into the virtual landscape. What are two things that you look back now, 12 months ago and say, man, I wish I had known these two things before any of this started. And now that I've learned it, I would say my word, I would have been able to move into this so quickly had I known these two things. Um, Whoever wants to go first can. I'm not going to, I won't put you guys in order. What do you, give me your thoughts. I wish I'd had more devices at hand initially, <laughs> like, you know, more screens in my, more screens purchased. And I wish I had bought a, a black magic box like a month earlier. Um, <laughs> they're point. just a few sort of <laughs> tech insights. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So screens. Yeah. I mean, the, the streaming boxes are critical. What else? Two and the more. amount of time it takes to plan it. You know, I, I, I don't think we initially took because initially you had clients who were just looking to transition really quickly. So you had three days, or you had a week, you had you just had a really certain finite amount of time. So when we actually got into the real world of planning the event, we had an unrealistic timeline in our heads. Yeah. So I wish that we had had sort of a, a, a more realistic kind of time frame to plan these events because they're really no different. They're actually harder than than in-person events to plan. For sure. Yeah, the tough thing. Yes, Sarah? And I wish that I'd had the examples that I have now to give my clients to kind of reassure them of what it would be like. Um, I know I think in the beginning, like I said, everyone was hesitant. You know, they think, oh, people want to travel. You know, I had to cancel programs in Spain and Vegas and Miami. People did want to go. And I think everyone was thinking no one's going to want to come to these virtual events. No, you know, our attendance is going to drop and, you know, our, our ROI is going to drop. And I wish that I was able to show them what I'm able to show them now. And, and say, look, it's not a lot of times it's the opposite. You're able to expand, you're able to, to grow much more easily. Um, you may get a, a better attendance because people don't have to travel. They don't have to take so much time off of work. Um, 
And you have so many tools of analytics that you can show basically what your ROI is, you know, on paper. And so I wish I'd had these two kind of magic uh, tools to be able to show everyone to, to kind of ease their fears of yeah. moving everything into virtual. We ended up having to, we, we actually put on an event to show our clients that it could be fun. And it's still my most fun event to date because we programmed it exactly the way that we wanted to, to program it. And that's how we gave ourselves like realistic, good examples to show to a client because there weren't any out there existing. No, that's great. Wow. Tiffany, Lynn, what do you For me, I, I, I wish I would have um, personally just embraced virtual quicker um, because we were so hesitant, especially starting out. And uh, Lynn Edwards, I was right there with you. We we did a turnaround event, uh, not, not as quickly as you did, but about a week, week and a half that we went into virtual. But I wish that we would have just, instead of doing that wait and see approach, just dived in into did the research on, you know, getting the right platform right away. Um, and then another thing too, is just reassuring, more reassurance for our clients, um, because I think they sense your hesitation and then they're like wanting to balk out. So doing more of a open communication, this is what's going on and keeping them updated. Um, those are just a couple of things that I would have done quicker. Um, you know, obviously we didn't know that this was going to last as long as it has, but just would have really just took the time to embrace the virtual aspect. Um, that's something that I would have done. Yeah. I was insanely resistant at first. I didn't even, I'm like, that's it. No, uh, May and we're back. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, and then for, for me, it took that one, that first event and I think we were all resistant, but the, um, and I think Sarah, you mentioned the analytics. I mean, they were through the roof. People were engaged. I mean, it was an impressive um, information that we got that we would never have gotten live. And I think that's what kind of sealed the deal to keep going and just do it better and better. Huh. I like that. Very cool. Lynn Edwards, what are your, what do you think? Yeah, I think, um, I wish I would have understood a little bit more about what the attendee journey was going to be like as far as getting onto the platforms. I we really went into it a little bit blind around understanding the user experience as far as, um, you know, just everybody's, instead of getting themselves to the Hyatt uh, with their own GPS and up an escalator with a sign to get a badge and walk to the ballroom, it became this enormous lift. And I know we, you know, one event we did 1500 in person and 15,000 online. And so the support, the reg support that was needed um, the access support, you know, we did an event for a couple hundred people in the state agency. Well, everyone had a, their devices were like an IE six or or older and, you know, trying to put them on a platform. So the lift that it took to get everybody quickly on, we, we impl implemented some strategies about a little bit of a pre-con event, you know, one group with the 15,000, we did a movie watch the night before to let people kind of like having your reg open the day before, right. To get people in and get their badges. We were able to troubleshoot the tech issues. Um, so just understanding kind of the, the, the guest goggles of, accessing in a virtual event platform would have been helpful. And we tried to learn really quickly what those pain points were in course correct. And then secondly, I think um, I have worked with great AV vendors over the years and even live stream providers. And it was literally Jordan, what you said, you know, plug into live stream and let them do their thing, you know, fill the ballroom first, and then maybe we'll stream for some, some others who can't be there, but just having the technology move to the forefront in the way that it did, you know, I, 
had to create my own visual infographic to understand the tech stack that needed to happen. I just, you know, I, I put out an RFP that, you know, gosh, March or April for a virtual event. And I got a bid for 6,000 and a bid for 96,000. So the buyer experience of being an educated consumer was just like wild west, you know, and everybody and I'd say, well, how many digital events have you done? And they'd said, oh, well, we haven't done any yet. You know, it was like the true gold rush of these apps saying, selling themselves as end to end solutions. And it wasn't till I got this visual in my mind of like each of the elements that I needed to decide, okay, do you do three of the five? Do you do one of the five and do it really well? That's great. So it's just understanding that tech stack a little better. And I don't think we need to be the pros. We hire people like you guys, Jordan and Lynn and everybody. So it's something where you just have to know enough to be educated and ask the right questions and make comparisons. Well, yeah. but don't you still feel like it's the Wild West? I mean, I had three I had three platforms come across my desk this, today, which we're all, we've got people demoing them to check it out. But I feel like it's changing so rapidly. Even technologies we were using in November, December, all went away for the break and did updates and changed the whole thing because they had two weeks to focus on it. So then we had to go relearn them again, huh. which is you know, so hard. true. Lynn. Well, I'm on version three or four of some of the platforms we started with in the spring last year. And um, so we, I understand there's like 120 plus platforms right now. We've, I've demoed personally about 65 demoed them and I've had eight demos since the first of the year either re, a redo of an existing platform with new, you know, functionality or brand new platforms. Wow. So it's just, it is, it's a bit of the wild. And so to be able to consume it, you know, and I, I don't think the clients expected us to know every venue in the whole world, but, you know, it felt like it was easy to get what you needed from the venues. And so this selection of a platform is, has just been, you got to constantly keep up on it and ask them what, what's your differentiator? Why, how are you different from the next platform? And yeah. they're learning how to even sell. They're learning what that answer should be so that to help us wade through it. Right. You know, Lynn, I, I completely agree. And I think in addition to just because there is such a variance, you know, especially with production, you know, when it comes to the $6,000 versus the $60,000 event, you know, meeting planners will typically know how to budget an in-person meeting because you know what you can sort of expect for food and beverage, meeting room rental, AV, uh, sleeping rooms and transportation, et cetera, you know, and on-site staff. But this is something completely new to them. So I feel like a lot of my clients were getting sticker shock when they would get the, you know, the charge of what either the the platform uh, license is or the per registration fee or the production which i really think production is uh, an invaluable tool you know we're meeting planners i don't have the capabilities you know you talked about having more screens if i could i would make this look like you know ground control but i don't have all of the technology to be able to queue up all the videos and queue the presenters and have it going on in the back it's it's more like a virtual production is more like a, a TV broadcast, like a news broadcast than an, an, a live meeting. So I think a lot of meeting planners first went into it thinking, oh, I know how to plan a meeting, but it's a completely different ballgame. And so when they would get those those rates, and especially because there was so varied, they didn't know what questions to ask. It was so hard to know, like, what's too much, what's enough, and what am I going to do to be able to fulfill the goals of my meeting? Yeah. Well, I felt like they were doing a Zoom meeting, you know, they understood that, and then there was they could have their own personal avatar and it was everything soup to nuts in between. You know, I fight, I found after 30 years in the business, I used to fight the good fight around production. And this is Jordan to, to your company, the sight and sound, you know, I'd have clients really committee deep in the $5 difference between chicken or steak or whatever it might be. And they, 
convincing them to make the ultimate investment in sight and sound. You know, I I had a $10,000 keynote speaker and my client wouldn't pay for a stage wash. And it was just this voice coming out of this black void. And I was like, oh my gosh, if we're going to get one thing right, they came to see here, not eat the chicken. Now we'll hear about it. The chicken or the steak wasn't great, but I'm just saying like, it seems like it's a constant education process around investing in the technology and the audio visual. And it's, it came to see and hear, and you need to make sure that's tight and right and is an amazing guest experience. I don't know if you guys watched last night, the Golden Globes, but when they had the first nominee, you know, the first winner announced, it was he was on mute or something and there was no sound. And I yeah. thought of every meeting planner in the world last night as at, about what must that have been like to hold their breath and go, oh my gosh, right. despite all planning someone didn't unmute and here we are I thought yes a prime example that it can go wrong totally I'm with you Lynn validation (laughs) if that's one good thing that's come out of this I think it's been people's acceptance of these little glitches and these things that do go wrong you know a kid walks into the shot or you know uh, your audio goes bad or someone's on mute or someone accidentally has a cat filter on their face. Like yeah. we're all seeing into everyone's homes. We're seeing into everyone's you know life. So I think we've all become a little bit more, uh, you know, accepting of some of these small little things, but when it's your event and it's your, you know, everything's on your shoulders are, you know, do you want to be the one who's responsible for making sure that, you know, Daniel Kalua is, is, <laughs> is unmuted when he gets his, his award. <laughs> And you're like, yes, you're like, where's the audio guy He's pushing the button? It's not Ooh, working. People. Right. Right. <laughs> the podcast audience can't see, but I have a mug that says you're on mute with a picture of a microphone. I just hold up. And then I take that, it that's always me. Uh, you make a good point because, you know, of course we want everything to go without a hitch, but a, a lot of times, these, these events, are, they, they make it even more personable because it's like we've all been there, you know, and, and the fact that we're going into this, we we're all kind of going into this together. So it's like the learning curve, the events, it's we're all all together in this. So I feel like, you know, when we first started, people were, you know, very aware that there were technical glitches and things like that. So they were de- definitely forgiving. Um, but even, you know, I, I think we can all relate to the, the cat filter and get a good laugh. Like it's all kind of, <laughs> you know, in, in a bizarre way, it's made people, I guess, closer and understand the amount of work that events do take. Uh, before this, I, you know, people would be like, oh, you're just an event planner. Oh, you know, you just, you're here to, you know, throw a party. And the fact that you throw in these virtual events and all the things that go behind it, I think people get a, a better sense of the the effort and work it takes to put on, like you said, a production. Yeah. And it's a broadcast. I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. You guys keep mentioning the cat filter. I assume you're referring to the video <laughs> of the lawyers and the, guy, and the guy that got his face stuck on the cat filter. That Yes, I saw that last week. That was absolutely hilarious. And he had no idea how to fix it. And that was the best part. <laughs> um, you know, when we're moving to virtual platforms, each one does something different. They got some special whiz bang. Like you guys said, suddenly two, we have two weeks off, change everything, fix the whole pro. You know, there are all these problems that everybody's trying to fix. Um, how did you, how have you navigated that, uh, that, world of, okay, do you start with, here's a list of all the things that I need and then go and find only the platforms that fill that list of needs? Or are you kind of 
like you, Lynn uh, Edwards, demoing platforms constantly saying, I'm sure I'll find something that this, you know, that I need this one for, you know, at some point in time. Um, talk me through the process of what that kind of that selection looks like. Well, I think, you know, being a professional meeting planner, we have to start at the highest level of what the goals are, you know, even when, and I look at it very similar to selecting a venue, you know, it's like, where is the event going to take place? So we use that model as a guide around, let's outline our requirements. Let's put out a request for proposal. Let's understand we need a hundred rooms and 30,000 square foot of ballroom. And we want a, you know, cool atmosphere. So we need to be at a resort. We need to, you know, let's talk about our goals and strategies and what our functionality and then prioritize the functionality. That exercise with my clients has been very interesting to be like, you may not get it all under one roof or on one platform. So the process of, um, really understanding our needs and keeping educated on the platforms to understand who does what. Um, we keep a running list. I just found three new networking platforms that are plugins to an overall event platform. So I'm constantly keeping those in a bucket that say networking, social elements, you know, um, and, and I have an amazing team of planners, a lot of digital natives that they, they just eat this stuff up. They love it. They love going and doing a demo and asking questions. And then we just, again, keep a big grid of everything kind of, it would be similar to, finding venues and being like, well, we love that Arizona resort. We love that, you know, Boston downtown hotel. Oh, you know, uh, center, a new prod, uh, in new venues coming online in Chicago. Let's make sure we know about that. Is it a convention center? It's, it's keeping up to date on that stuff. Um, we attend a lot of events where you can have the platform, watch the platforms, do a demo. Um, but I, I think what, one thing I want to say, it's really interesting. When we started this, the clients were shocked that we would even be able to have an event platform. And in a very short order, they've gotten very particular. Lynn, can you move that button over there to the right and make it green instead of red? And, you know, you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We just got you an automobile. And now you're asking for custom interior with pinstripe and white leather. And like, hang on, let's 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 get the fundamentals down and, uh, you know, make sure our speakers are on, not on mute. And But it's really interesting how the demand, I don't know if anybody else has experience that but the kind of the demands of the client have escalated very quickly with custom everything um and like Lynn you said you know the platforms off the shelf and it so I just I'd be curious to see what others say about their platform selection but that's how we've gone about it 100 we have a we have a list of about 19 questions we send to them that they come back like is networking important uh you know do you mind avatars are you like all these different questions they fill it out and then we really uh, have digi digitized it with the platforms across what their things are and then we can cross it off really quickly. Um, I think we had about 85 platforms that we just have files on so we can go yeah. in if we need to, you know, better, better information about them, but we really broke it down high level and then sort of wheedle, wheedle it down, wheedle it down. And yes, I'm right with you, Lynn Edwards, that um, we've given them an automobile and now they want a Lamborghini. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's a virtual expert now. Everyone. And, and all my girls are now coders. Like they're all coding <laughs> websites and things that I just never in a million years thought we would be doing at this point. I was writing code on a back end of a platform last week and my team was like, you need to step back quietly. <laughs> you don't like, need you to have no it. business being here. <laughs> Old dog, new trick. I don't care. Just get out of that writing code. I'm like, well, let me see what the hype's all about. I'm going to try it out. <laughs> you see, I think, and Lynn, uh, Lynn, Edward, you, Lynn Edwards, you touched on this before, that I think, you know, we're coming out actually from both sides. We have to understand the, the attendee journey. It's so important. I, you know, I was a meeting planner for 15 years. I can never take that meeting planner hat off. I always kind of see things through that lens of who are your stakeholders? What are their goals? What's it going to be like? 
you know, the, the same platform would not work with an older demographic versus a younger demographic, a more tech savvy demographic, uh, you know, versus a working mom demographic. Just, you know, there's so many different, um, different uh, things that you have to take into account. And so getting to know and understand their, their, their journey and their needs is such an important first step, but you have to have that basic in the back of your heads as like, okay, I know these 15, you know, 20 kind of go-to platforms. And I, and now that I find out what my client wants, I can put them together. So you have to have from both sides, you have to be constantly seeing what's out there, but also really making sure you're understanding what your clients want. And I, I've talked to my clients about it before, because I feel like as soon as you, you have an event, everyone will say, Oh, what platform did you use or what's your platform? And they, they think that they can then just use the same platform and the event will be exactly the same. And I like to say that um, a platform is like a DSLR camera. It's like a great photographer with the right equipment, with an amazing camera can take an incredible you know, Ansel Adams shot. Um, but if I just give someone that camera, they won't necessarily be able to take the same great pictures. They have to know how to use all the functionality of it. Also, on the other end, I can give that photographer an iPhone and they can probably take a pretty good shot, too, because they know what they're doing. So it's, you know, the platform and having the tools and the functionality is a huge part of it. But making sure that people who are running it and working on it and looking at the meeting from both the technical and the content side know what they're doing, it makes all the difference. Yeah. Tiffany, what about you in the marketing space? Where did that fall? So one thing we do um, want to make sure we're aware of right, is the user friendly uh, uh, friendliness of the platform first and foremost. Um, and it, you know we've been talking about the um, the attendee journey, but making it, it easy enough for people to each, at least you know log on. Um, what I've noticed that there are so many different platforms, and there's you know now bells and whistles, and everything's getting more extravagant. But you know. Fundamentally, people need to be able to access the events, you know, easily. So we do look for that, um, making sure that it's just in its simplicity, simplicity that you can be able to have a good experience. Um, and then going from there, depending on the, the type of, of, of an event. Um, right now, we're looking into more of um, engagement tools. You know, what, what are the base, best engagement ways with these platforms? Um, what can you do besides polling? What are what are things that we can really create um, a live experience virtually? So those are a few things that just uh, is a shell that we look for um, for most events, and then we go from there depending on how to customize that event. Okay, very. Tiffany, I like to call that the the grandma factor. The grandma test, <laughs> if I can get my grandma, my 95 year old grandmother to log in and be able to access and go through the platform, done. Yeah, that's so funny, Sarah. My mom attends all of our events. <laughs> then I see her in the chat and I'm like, oh no. Because <laughs> I know I she'll I, be like, it's not working. The sound's not on. <laughs> well, I hate, I hate to say that, but that, that's true, right? I mean, when you think about it, you don't want to underestimate someone's uh, knowledge of tech. And you don't want to assume. So yeah. I, I, that's a good good way of testing things. Yeah. Jordan, do you mind if I ask if, uh, if anybody purchased a platform? Because we did. We purchased two. And I'm interested if anybody's going to re-up on the same platform. So, like, do yeah. you guys have workforce platforms that you, you that you use your go-to and then the others are ancillary? Are we allowed to talk about our individual platforms? 
are yeah. we allowed to talk about them? We're yeah, we're we're agnostic to to anything here. We're just <laughs> talking about what people are doing, and so platform is you know it doesn't matter to me. It's great. So we did purchase a platform um, because we're a broker, so we have different uh, attendees and different meetings overall um, in our corporate association, all industries. Um, We purchased Bizabo and we think it's really flexible and we're able to, anything that's not native to the platform, we've been able to embed it really easily. And it's it's a very user-friendly kind of, you know, WYSIWYG builder in the back end. So that's that's pretty easy. My grandmother can't build one yet, but she can (laughs) definitely go through one. That's That's the the thing when we purchased, I mean, it's a workhorse. So Mm I, you know, it's interesting. And then if they want the, you know, the avatars where they're moving around, that's, that's something different, but that's not the majority of the cases that we're seeing. uh, Bizabo can, you know, handle everything they need for their meeting and everything, you know, that there are, like you said, you have to prioritize what are things that are the most important. Would you like to have avatars? Okay. But is that really necessary? Are people going to use it? Is it going to enhance the the user experience? Uh, And if not, then no. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of look at like the avatars and like the convention space. Um, I guess for my edification, like I personally look at it and say, that's kind of stupid. Um, personal opinion, but how do your clients feel about it? Like, do they really like that sort of stuff? Does it actually add anything? And they say, Ooh, I can see this little thing I made wandering around. I think people are so zoomed out. Anything that gives them an experience that doesn't feel like you're online, even if it's cartoonish, is fun. And I I find it two ways. It's very visual. So especially for older demographics, they they don't have to figure it out on a keyboard. They can just point and click on the screen, which is great. But also it just feels like you've elevated the experience just a little bit. So that's one of the main reasons I sort of tend to drive clients that are doing something that that needs to be a little bit upscale to to something with an avatar. Got it. Okay. There's a little bit of a, there's a little more of a learning curve, I think, with them feeling comfortable moving around the space. You'll see a lot of people kind of walking in circles in the beginning or bumping into each other. Um, but the the technology has gotten so great with these platforms that when two people kind of come closer together, their voices get louder and you can hear each other. Or, you know, as you're walking away from a group, you no longer hear the group. And these are, these are kind of mimicking these feelings of, oh, being around people that we haven't had for so long since we've all been locked down. Interesting. It's going to be interesting to see if it, to me, I don't know if it's sustainable. I think once we start easing into hybrid and live, the the shiny new effect will wear off. Um, But, you know, like you said, it's something elevated, something different. Um, I just don't know how long it will last. I think once you do it, you're like, okay. That's enough. Well, that budget, I mean, I just, I'm working on hybrid budgets for clients for October and it's, they're going to freak because it's, it's a whole different, I mean, basically you're planning three events essentially yep. Well, we have two sites. Yes. And, and so, you know, it's two different production teams. It's, it's, it's a whole different world. Yeah. yeah. So a- I don't think it is sustainable, but I do feel like the price ranges of the platforms are coming down. So you'll find a good stream platform like StreamYard or something that's cheaper that you can get all this information out and it looks good, but it, maybe it's not like the $40,000 platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Did you feel like your investments in, in Bizaboo, Bizabo, Bizaboo, Bizza something, um, like it was good enough that, okay, great for the next year, I'm going to keep using this and our, on our customers, our clients are very happy with this. They're getting exactly what they need. 
We have our license through July. And frankly, I'm not, I don't know if I'll renew it. I'm not sure. There's, they're, they're starting to be comparable platforms out there and we can build our own sites that, that kind of rival it. So I'm not, and if the price point is the same as it was when we purchased it, I'm not sure we'll re-up it. Although it's been invaluable this year. I couldn't have done my business without that platform. But um, there are just so many now. I'm not sure we we need that level of, we can build it. I I think that it's probably, you know, having such a diverse client base and so many different budgets and different priorities. um, I mean, I had one client that changed platforms three times across five events last year. And I was just like, holy smokes, can we just slow down and learn (laughs) one and have your team? You know, like it was a lot, but they did not want to get locked into an annual with something. Um, I, you know, we had, we had some challenges with Bizabo. I mean, they're, they do a great job of what they do, but we had some challenges. So it was really great to have the flexibility to go on another platform. You know, I had one client that all they cared about was the landing page being this hyper branded, like it was, it was crazy beautiful. It was all HTML and they just linked out to Zoom. They were like, we don't care about any of this move around to the vendors. We, they only had one key sponsor and they just wanted that to be amazing on there. You know, I'm thinking, I looked at the cost of that. And I was like, wow, we did that in a page on their site in with beautifully beautiful branding, easy navigation. And they just went out to the Zoom and back and they, they figured it out. But I think that it goes back to understanding what the priorities are. And every platform has a different kind of what I think a competitive advantage. And I think the more consumers, you know, Wild West, it just went crazy. Some of those rates just went through the roof. Once they knew the demand was just the only option in town, it was, it even platforms that we had tried that we really liked within one year, they had tripled the, their fees. Wow. You know, we got in on the ground, ground in, but they were just, they, it was like the gold rush. They were seeing this opportunity, just scooping this money in the bucket. And it, so it's been a little, um, challenging to try to find the right platform. But when you do, I feel like for our clients, we need flexibility to kind of go back to the drawing board each time we have a new event and find the right tool. Huh. So then, and that's when you would use your, you know, the, the list, the grid and all that stuff and say, okay, customer comes to you and says, I've got an event that wants to be this drug launch, for instance. And then you can go in and you just pop it, you know, pull out the sheet, it all unrolls 55,000 names later. And you're like, okay, one, (laughs) two, three, four. And then you go to them and say, okay, here's where we think this needs to be, you know, pick from these essentially. And that's why we wouldn't, get into an annual type partnership with somebody. We need that flexibility to be completely agnostic because we need so many different solutions for different clients. You know, I think if your internal company having the same meeting over and over every month, then yeah, that makes sense to do an annual subscription, same users get used to the, the UI and it's, but, but if you've got different clients with different, again, price points and budgets. Yeah. I do want to share an interesting thing. I was on a, um, one platform asked 10 planners to come on and talk about what they need from the platforms in going to hybrid. All 10 of us had a different request. And I, so I felt for a moment, a little empathy about these platforms going, we're trying to build a tool and these 10, you know, pro planners are, they all, their vision of hybrid is completely different. I mean, there's one gal, she, I was said something, she's like, we're, we're not doing that. We're doing the exact opposite. And it, it was just in an hour call with 10 different planners and telling this one platform what they did and did not need in, in the hybrid environment was quite interesting. Yeah, you need a Swiss Army platform. Yes, Swiss Army. Yeah. There is one a topic I have 
there is a, I mean, but there is a cost baseline. So if you know, you've got six events throughout the course of the year and those six events can all use that one platform, you know, we've ended up making money off the platform, just having purchased it on a whim. We didn't know that we had options initially. And now it's now everything is gravy. Everything we do for it is so I'm glad we did it in that respect because it didn't prohibit us from doing others. But, you know, it's it's good to to think through how many events like events you're going to have to to make sure it's effective. Exactly the same. Got it. Um, So many of you pivoted quickly. So, Lynn, for instance, when you went to Bizabu, Bizabo, whatever, um, did you make that decision? You know, you said it was like the only decision that you knew about at the moment. Did you just boom, you made that decision to move to it immediately? So July, I assume it's an annual contract, which means July of last year. So that was yeah. about three, four months after everything kind of really took off. Did you take that four months to decide on that? Or was it a beginning July 1st? We need something. We're picking this. So we had sort of been slowly looking for a platform when we started, but we were also building our own. So, you know, we started doing events with our own platform in May and June. And then we had an issue in an event and I just thought, "Mm, there's got to be something better out there that's off the shelf. Because, I mean, I think like you, Sarah, you said, I mean, 10 years ago, we were sort of doing virtual with live streaming and that had its own platform. We were television producers and moving, you know, microphones around. There had to be something that was coming on the market. So we started really digging in and I didn't want to trust our platform again, even though it's great and it looks good, just the the actual coding, but we're not coders. Like that's not what we do. So I looked and we looked at sort of six or eight initially and, and landed on that one. So it was a pretty fast decision because we had a really big conference in July. We wanted to service with the new platform for the reg portion. Um, so it was, it was, it was pretty quick, but I'm, I I feel validated, especially when I hear other people think it's a workhorse platform as well. So the gut instinct was quite good. Got it. Uh, Lynn Edwards, Sarah, Tiffany, any of you guys, how quickly did you find the platform you're on or, or the ones that you use the most, I should say, because like some of you don't have contracts. So you're, you know, you did, was it a very quick or just as a per, you know, per event basis, new client, new, new needs. All right, let's go find something else. Here we go. Yeah, the selection process, again, has been similar to a venue selection. You know, there's that process of identifying the needs, pulling all the tools together together putting it in some sort of summary where the client can say, okay, here's our top three recommendations. So as we started doing business on certain platforms that were really proven, we bubbled those to the top just from a, uh, that confidence that they had delivered, you know, and one thing I will say about the platforms is that um, it goes back to that visual tech stack that I had. Some people are great at reg, you know, and, and some people have a wonderful platform, but they're not live stream pros. You know, we, we've been working with Evia out of the Seattle area. They do all the Microsoft shows. They did Ignite 500,000 people on a stream for a week. You know, that's the kind of um, experience I want in my stream provider. I don't want a platform that's just plugged in an off-the-shelf stream that's like, eh, and nobody's really running it. You know, I need a stream team that's going to be on it. That thing's going to fly, no issues. You know, and so... It's interesting because you look at you're planning a live event. You've got a caterer and an AV and you've got, you know, the reg deck. You got the decorator, you got the floral, you got all those pieces. It's very similar. I know I, I've experienced in the, in the virtual events to put all those vendors together in the right puzzle to make it work. And so I just, 
I just want to go back to, again, reiterating the importance of production, audiovisual, and the streaming partner having a proven tool that can push this thing to 15,000 people. I wasn't willing to try a platform that's like, well, here's a stream off, off the shelf stream plug-in, you know, with no, no expert that at that stream available to you the day of the show. And uh, so I think it's important to look like, just like it is with live events, to look at those vendor relationships and find the ones that you gain confidence in and that they are proven and they're available for, and they understand your support needs. And I think that's just critical. Got and it. we did that when we did live events. Yeah. You know, it's as important as the platform, really. I mean, having those partners you can trust with your backup plans. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you want to know that they can handle anything that goes wrong. Like you want to know, you want to like put out what's the worst that can happen with the tech and being able to have someone to have your back. Um, for me, I I look for referrals and like even events that I've attended. Like I want to see it live. I want to see this in action. I want to hear from people. I don't, I want to hear um, the good and the ugly. So yeah, you know, researching a platform definitely uh, took a longer in research than actually having the virtual event. I mean, and even then you're just still, you know, nervous about, is this the right platform? Because there's always things you don't think of until the actual event, right? Like, until something's running you're like, oh man, you know, that chat, that chat roll should have went like this. Um, so it's interesting that, I, and I don't even think, you know, even when you, you do all these platforms, there's always something else on the horizon. Maybe I should check this out next time. You know what I mean? So not even, and I think that's why, at least for me and a lot are so hesitant just to lock in on one single you know, yeah. platform because, <laughs> you know, you don't want to miss out on the, you know, some new platform that's going to do something incredible or make the experience a little bit different. So I think that's why, at least for me, I hesitate to just really hone in on just one platform. Um, cause I, I don't know, I guess I'm not loyal. <laughs> <And then> that <laughs> was, uh, That's okay. You like to keep your options open. You're a discriminating shopper. That's, That's what there I There we go. There we well, go. And, and again, back to every, every event has its needs. Um, do you guys find that day of like support from a support standpoint from all these platforms is one of the most critical things for a platform to offer the day of support? Like someone like a phone number, like you call this for number and chat. that person can fix your problem kind of kind of deal 100 percent. Okay. yes and um preferably a dedicated person not just you know someone that's going to answer or you know support but like if we had a dedicated person throughout yeah. the planning and day of yeah absolutely I, I feel like that's gotten better because when we initially started back in june july they weren't none of the platforms were equipped to to staff us that way they were all like okay here's our platform you go do it so we were doing it, but we needed support. And we really, I feel like have helped them build these platforms because they didn't know what they didn't know. And until they had a whole bunch of users using it, it's, it's slowly gotten better. But um, yeah, it's, it's extremely important to have somebody from the tech platform side yeah, make, paying sure. attention to I also well, feel I, like it's um, created, you know, new jobs. I mean, a lot of these platforms, you reach out to freelancers. I, I know I've hopped, hopped on and did some tech support for a few. Um, so it's uh, it's interesting that this is a now like a new, you know, maybe a, a job creation or a freelance where people can come in and really, you know, get involved in helping, you know, behind the scenes for these uh, platforms. Yeah. No, and I, I would I would equate it to, oh, go ahead. 
sir. No, I was going to say, I think it's, it's dangerous to think of I'm taking a, an in-person event and I'm just going to turn it into virtual and think that you can, you know, convert it exactly. But I, I do think that if you go through the different parts of a, of an in real life meeting and you say, okay, we've got the breaks. How are we going to do that? We've got the entertainment. How are we going to do that? And then you get to the, you know, you have a CSM, you have a, a red coat or, or a concierge or someone who's there. If you have, if your attendees have a problem, you have your content, you know, someone answering content questions at the hospitality desk. How do you turn that into the visual component? I'm sorry, the virtual component. And then you have someone who's helping with the kind of the AV and the logistical stuff day of that would be like the CSM or, you know, the person who's helping the meeting planners on site. So there are some parts of an in real life meeting that you really do want to try and see if you can replicate them as, as best you can for virtual. Um, and I, I just wanted to say that I think it's dangerous to to try and equate them exactly because people think like, oh, I'm going to have a five day long, you know, eight hour a day virtual event or, you know, because that's what I used to do in real life. So those are some things that you have to think about. But definitely having day of support, you know, whether it could be a live chat. Um, again, it's the, you know, it's, it's the grandma factor. Uh, can, you know, can people get through? Will they know how to click into the different sessions? Um that also factors into how soon before the event do you launch the website so people can get in there and they can kind of play around. That's something you can't really do when you're on site. You don't, you know, invite them to the Hyatt four days before to try and walk the space so they know where the you know, the meeting rooms are. Um, but it, you definitely need to have that that support in the front end and in the back end. I think for the planners and for the attendees. Yeah. Yeah, and I just want to add, I equate that to, you know, not having tech supports like getting to a loading dock on a Sunday at 6 a.m. with four semis to unload and no one there to unlock the, the roll-up door. It's just, it you know, and it's interesting because I've had a few platforms like, our support is Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. And I'm just <laughs> like, that's that's not when this is going to go down, you know, and and I need a, you know, I need a 911 phone number. And there's the front end support, like you said, Sarah, and then there's the back end support. And I, you know, I'll share we had an event in, in July that was on a platform that was internationally based and they had an AWS update that went out one hour before our show and it the oh. entire event did not launch. I had 87 speakers text me within 30 seconds. And in 30 years of planning, it's the first time I called it like time of death, one hour in. We had to re-record 35 hours of content and we you know delivered the content to the, to the ticket holders. But essentially I was saying, you know, we, we didn't have the keys to the car. We, we could maybe look under the hood, but when we did, we didn't know what we were looking at. We didn't know how to fix it. So to have zero, you know, I was texting my contact person directly and I got zero response with, you know, 800 people and 37 speakers, just like what's happening. And, and, you know, it's, it, it had, we had some communication. I, I equate it to sitting on a tarmac. Like if I'm going to, technology is going to break planes might break. If you tell me, hey, we're checking it out, it's going to be a few minutes. Or if you come back, so I expect you to communicate often and as comprehensively as possible. Hey, we've had an update that's impacted our entire show. We're going to give us a few hours to fix it, log back in at noon. Whatever that might happen, it's just, I feel like you need to be ready with that contingency plan and you need a tech support to tell you, are we dead in the water? Like, are we not happening today? Are we there's a glitch, let us fix it, give us an, buy us an hour. You know, when I was on site, I could be like, free beer in the lobby. <laughs> Why we fix our audiovisual. <laughs> there's muffins over here. I can distract them. But, you know, when you're on the technology platforms, you just, you have to have this, 
like contingency planning where you're, but you need that back end person who understands the engine of the car to, to that's on call that can say, you know, please deport the plane. We're not going to Chicago. Some of the the bigger ones aren't communicating updates. And I I mean, I've, we were affected two hours before an event, same way, the whole platform went down but they didn't send anything out to, to everybody. We just happened to be on the platform, you know, Damn. checking it out. And so I do feel like the the better communication from the platform teams, and it's just something that they're not used to yet. Yeah. I think it's different virtually. I mean, communication virtually versus in person. I mean, in person, you're seeing the, the tech guy fundle with the mic and you're like, okay, but like you don't see the behind the scenes when you're virtually. So yeah, like I, I agree over communicating and letting people know and like, you know, consistent over again, because, you know, I think we forget that, you know, virtual, you have that, that dead silence and you don't know what's going on. And it's like this, you know, just black page. So, um, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's definitely a a difference, um, versus, um, being a live event. It's funny. It's one of those feelings we all have had collectively and we all know what the feeling is, but you could never describe it in a million years. (laughs) I was just about to say that Lynn, when you were talking about that in your event, just suddenly everything went out. I think our, our four meeting planner hearts just dropped collectively at the same time, like in our throats, because we can feel and oh, what that feels like. Right. And it's funny because I, you know, we can, you know, we are, I would say the subject matter experts in that we're constantly looking at different platforms and constantly attending and setting up different virtual events. And that's really important. You know, that's what's keeping us in, in, in business right now. And we can tell our clients as much as, you know, as much as we can, this is what you need. This is what you don't need. This is, you know, I, we would highly recommend you invest in day of support in production and whatever it is but they're going to do what they're going to want to do. And it only took one time for one of my clients to have an issue where, you know, we had suggested, like, we really think you should do the production. You have multiple speakers, you have whatever. And they said, well, we don't have the budget for it. We're not going to do it. Or, you know, we'll do it for the big days, but we won't do it for the smaller dates in the middle. And they were going to go live. And what, you know, because she was using just her regular equipment, they tried to upload one of the videos for one of the, the presenters and it wouldn't upload and the computer died and boom, that was it. And everything was on their shoulders. And Tiffany, just like you mentioned, nobody knew that at that moment she was scrambling, trying to send the video to someone else, get it up on Slack so someone else can, you know, they just, they just hear crickets and it's, it's, you know, it's like a microwave minute. It's much longer than a normal <laughs> or a plank minute. It's much, much longer. A, a, a my virtual meeting is not working minute is like the longest minute that you can have. And they can't see you, you know, like a duck with your feet under the water, you know, moving as right. fast as you can. And so having that support and speaking to that, you know, having good communication with them beforehand. So you do t- tons of run throughs and, you know, check all the equipment, everything is, is just invaluable. And I think, uh, platforms, you know, I think all these platforms, they're creating them from their point of view. And, you know, even the four of us have probably planned meetings that are completely on, you know, unlike any of the others have done. And so I may need a functionality that you would never, ever need, or you wouldn't even know that someone needs it until I'm doing my need, my meeting. So I think the the platforms that are going to be the most successful, are they going to be the ones who take the feedback from the people who are actually using it. So, you know, taking the user feedback, we had a meeting or we are having a meeting. This is what we need. Can you do it? Why do we need it? You know, et cetera. So um, I know that a lot of the platforms started out as other companies like Visibo started out as a registration platform and then they added the virtual component. I think Cvent did too. 
you know, a lot of other other ones. Um, or they started out as a production company and they built a platform just like you did, Lynn. Um, and I think that as long as they are flexible as well and taking that feedback and they just keep continuing to add, we'll just have better options that are, you know, that are more cost effective as we keep going. Because like we said, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. yeah. I'm working on my stand-up routine for virtual events. I think the platform failures are as big of a learning experience as the successes. Like I wouldn't have wanted to have a year where I didn't have a failure because we learned our biggest lessons through the failures we had. So yeah. Yeah. as much as I hated I mean, it, it also... I would see they say you're not having any failures. Like I probably would have been like, nope, we did everything right. It was great. Well, they say your your worst stories with a little bit of time are the funniest ones. That's why I say my worst stories, you know, complete failure with a little bit of time. I'm gonna make it really funny. We're all yeah. gonna be able to empathize and get a good laugh out of it. Lynn, I'm gonna remember your story. So if anything, it gives you a story to tell your clients why they need to do something or why they don't need to do something. The heart, the the heart in my deal. throat. You said like as soon as you said AW. WS global update. I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. I would have like, was... yeah, I would have probably fainted. I'd just been, I mean, it, and you can't control it either. And that's the other thing is how many yeah. more things are out of our control in this world. I mean, the, the miles and thousands of miles of cable and fiber and everything that's between you and your customer and the client and all of their attendees. I mean, and you have no control over any of it. And so um, it's a totally different ball game. Um, real quick, wow, we're already at the end. I can't believe that was, a, that was an hour almost already. Um, number one, I want to say, first off, you guys are all awesome and you know your stuff and I love it and I love to hear what you guys are talking about. Second off, I would like to do this again, but do it about hybrid meetings because that is where we're going. And I think that that is an incredibly important part for our listeners to say, okay, now that we know virtual works, now we've got to take it to the next level, which is hybrid. Hybrid is going to be just crazy. I, I, I'm actually looking forward to it personally because I think that there's going to be some incredibly cool things that come out of this. Um, lastly, so I will let you guys sometime in the next couple of weeks, if you guys want to get back together and do hybrid, I would love to do another episode talking just about hybrid. Lastly, um, thank you, first off. Um, and then right before we go, just I want to get from you guys, the next six months are going to be critical to the success of many meeting planning companies, many production companies, people who, man, the last 12 months for some people have been very tough. Um, what are two things, and we'll go round robin real quick, two things from each of you that you think that uh, you know, live event professionals, meeting professionals should be focused on um, if they could pick only two things for the next six months to make sure that they are able to not only like coast through the next six months and get into the hybrid and in person, but like really take that trajectory going upward. Um, we'll start with Lynn on the top left. Um, Lynn, what do you what do you think? I mean, we're moving into hybrid now and the two things that have taken the most time are developing that the budget template to sort of really give you a foundation of what that's going to look like and a timeline for planning. Like I, I would spend the time in getting those two pieces for your for yourself, right? So that at least you can eliminate, you can cross-reference because it yeah. was really thicker shot going back to the old in-person event and really matching it up with the virtual event. And it took a lot longer than I expected it to. So okay. I would start there. Awesome. Tiffany? Um, two things. I would say 
Um, definitely coordination. Um, we, you know, we were talking about uh, hybrid and just coordinating all the pieces because I don't think it's cookie cutter. You can't just, you know, decide your virtual events and then, you know, do the elements of hybrid. So coordinating the two. And then um, I'm going to echo with Lynn and just do timing, giving yourself enough time. Um, and and I'll just throw this in also, um, you know, polling your, your clients and your audience, getting their um, opinions on uh, where that, what it, what it looks like to them, because I think it's going to be uh, very different for everyone. So it, it would be great to kind of get a, a knowledge on what your clients think hybrid means, means to them as well. So Awesome. Lynn Edwards, what do you think? I think it's about reinvention and I'm carving out with my planners. I'm, I'm forcing them to take an hour each week to, to, that's called reinvent and to go through lot, you know, their clients, what they had live, what they had virtual and this reinvention of how that's going to look and feel and sound and be really, really creative. You know, there's this window hybrids, a big term, a big umbrella. A lot of things are getting stuffed under it. Um, but I really want, I want our team and our planners to be thinking of every client and what hybrid looks and feels and sounds like for each one. And to not, what's been said here today, not just stuff everything that was live back into it, you know, to really think about the different audiences, one out there, out in the ether, one here, and where do they intersect and where do they, where are their unique needs? And so think, I think that's one of the things. And the second thing is get your teams ready. You need a live team, you need an online team and get those, get those people trained up and ready to go, get them on the, you know, <clears throat> just, that team effort that's going to take to run two different um, audience support, two different audiences. So thank you team. Sarah, final word. It's hardest to go last because I was going to say budget. I was going to say, you get your teams ready. Um, I think it's really important to look back in the past uh, 12 months and really try to understand your stakeholders, understand what kind of their comfort level is, you know, find out how many people are going to be comfortable to travel. So you can get these numbers of, are we going to have 40% attendance live? Are we going to have 60, 80? Um, And then also the second would be to understand your resources. So who in your company can be tagged on to be a moderator during a virtual event, who feels comfortable, you know, taking, taking this role and, you know, who would be comfortable taking the role kind of with the planning. So I think understanding you know, more than ever your attendees and your stakeholders, and then also understanding your, your resources and your teams that you have right now, because it's not going to be super easy job, you know, roles are going to change, people are going to wear multi, you know, lots of hats coming back. So what can you utilize that you already have around? That's awesome. Wow. Tons of knowledge, tons of experience. You ladies are awesome. Thank you so much um, for a really great time. Um, Hour just flew by and I learned a ton and uh, I really had a great time doing it. Thank you so much for taking some time today to talk about virtual, talk about the events, the future, what it was like and what it's going to be like. Um, You know, as you said, I think it's still the Wild West in many ways. And uh, the next three to six months are going to be interesting. So... Uh, thanks for everything, ladies. We appreciate it. And uh, hope you guys have a great afternoon. Thanks, for Thank thanks Jordan. Hey. Thanks for listening today. Really appreciate everything that you guys do each and every day as professionals in the events industry. Live events is our favorite thing to do. There is absolutely nothing like it. We love it with everything inside of us. And our goal is to make sure that we are better every single day. I hope that today brought you a little bit more information. 
on virtual events, on how you can be a better professional to make better decisions and do the best show you possibly can. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys have a great day. Share it out. Tell people about it. Let them know that Gig Ready is the place to come and listen to the best content to get the best information on doing better live events. Thanks and have a great day. 